Those who know me know I am fascinated by how to help riders and horses enjoy the process of learning how to move in harmony, aka doing dressage. Now, I love to find the sources of frustration or disappointment and figure out how to turn them around. And I, I do that with horses, but I kind of do it with life in general. So this episode is about zooming out and taking a sort of 10,000 foot view of our core way of thinking about working with horses and to kind of look at and test the core assumptions that we're making about the training process. And this is really important because the way we look at things makes all the difference. It affects the choices that we make, the results that we get, and how we feel about what's happening. So there's a quote by Tony Robbins, which is, whatever you hold in your mind on a consistent basis is exactly what you will experience in life. And in this episode, I'll also give you an actionable item, something you can do starting now that can make a huge shift towards more enjoyment and better results for you and your horse. So here we go. Episode two, the assumption of obligingness. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Now, I love getting into the nitty gritty details of training and dressage, but it's really hard for me to separate being my best as a horse trainer and a rider and being my best as a human. I believe we're all responsible for our half of any relationship. It's what I've learned and it's what I've experienced through a lifetime of introspection, personal development programs, um, ranging from light reading to deep intensive dives into myself. So as I said earlier, whatever you hold in your mind on a consistent basis is what you will experience in life. Now that's a Tony Robbins quote and Tony's been a big influence in my life. <laughs> I've done lots of courses with him. I keep a picture of him and me right there on my desk uh, behind me and working with him has given me a lot of skills for operating at my best, best self. So I know that looking at our thoughts is always a great place to start when problem solving about anything and really getting into the habit of testing the assumptions that you're making in life. Now, I learned about testing assumptions while sitting on top of the Pyramid of the Sun in Teotihuacan, Mexico with Don Miguel Ruiz, who is the author of the book, The Four Agreements, and 
lots of other books. And that's why this article is called The Assumption of Obligingness. That's the assumption that I'd really like to look at and test because when I see writers or trainers who are not enjoying the process of doing dressage or training or taking lessons, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons why that might be happening. But I found that if I trace back those feelings of frustration or disappointment, that it can be um, traced to this common assumption or belief that horses should do what you tell them to do. If you apply the right, correct aid, it should work. Now, the, the problem with thinking like that is that it means then that if things aren't working, then something must be wrong with you <laughs> or your horse, right? And, and it, it's already too easy to blame horses in this sport, right? It's not just us out there running our marathon or running our race you know, where we only have ourselves to blame, we have this partner and it's human nature uh, to kind of tend to blame other things. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, another really great quote um, that's don't should all over yourself. Now that quote is attributed to a guy named Albert Ellis. He's an American psychologist. And in 1955, he developed rational emotive behavior therapy. So I love that quote. Don't should all over yourself. As soon as you say something should be a certain way, then it just sets you up for disappointment and frustration if it's not that way. Now, and as I said, with horses, it's not just us, right? We have this this partner, our horse. So, you know, think about don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Don't should all over your horse either. So your horse doesn't need to do anything that he doesn't want to do. That's what I believe. It's our game. You know, the game of training is the game of try to train in a way that he ends up wanting, that our horse ends up wanting to do what we asked him to do. You know, our horses are not required to be our business partners anymore, for the most part. I mean, but historically, they, they were, right? They were our transportation. They helped us work the fields, tend to the cattle, you know, you name it. Horses were such a big historical um, part of our human lives. Um, but the reality for most people now is horses are not required. We're doing horses because we want to, because it's a hobby, um, not because we need them. Now, I know that there are people who do still use horses in the field and do use horses to work cattle and, and tend to cattle. And then they do have a job. And I, and I think that when horses do work and they do have a job, there it's in some ways, I think horses have an easier time enjoying the process because they know what their job is and they have a responsibility and they, they know how to do it. And, you know, we've, I've seen horses cut cattle without even a rider on them, right? Some of these draft horses, the pulling horses are amazing. You watch horses that have been trained to like work logging in the fields. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. They get 
what the outcome is supposed to be. But we have to remember, uh, especially here if we're talking about dressage, upper level dressage does not have a purpose anymore. I guess it was originated, you know, for battle, um, but that was our purpose, right? To save our own butts and kick the enemy off their horse. I'm not sure if the horse really understood that part of it. Um, and dressage was for artistic reasons. Um, so again, not inherently purposeful for the horse. Now, lower level dressage does have a purpose, but the purpose is for the horse. The purpose of lower level dressage is to actually help a horse um, carry us on their backs with more ease, less pain, and more efficiency. So we have to remember that dressage's first purpose is about helping the horse feel better. Upper level dressage is just a gift that the horse gives us. I don't believe that the horse owes us anything. That's just, you know, fancy prancing because it's kind of cool <laughs> and we want to do it. With that said, I wouldn't be doing dressage if I hadn't felt that an, an upper level horse trained really well does have a sense of pride and power. I mean, I've, I've, I've felt the transformation and I think we do it in a way when it's done well that horses do feel better about themselves. I'm just guessing. I don't know what a horse really feels like, but I know what they look like and their expressions and how easily they show up for training, right? So again, that's the perspective that I think we have to make now. I see, I've heard so many dressage trainers um, actually teach, your horse is your business partner. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I don't think our horses are signing up for this at all. And they have no idea why we're doing this fancy prancing. So if we set ourselves up with the belief that none of this really should work, right? I don't, I don't believe that horses should work for us. I don't believe that horse, that aids should work. That's, I think, a root of our disappointment. I try to keep in my mind just the opposite even though I've trained lots of horses to a Grand Prix, I've trained lots of horses, I've retrained lots of horses, I've taught lots of students, I wake up every day thinking, I can't believe this even works at all. I can't believe they let us do this. So I tested my own assumption of obligingness. So, you know, can you imagine stopping in the middle of a ride and having that perspective, you know, zoom out a bit and think, there's a human, there's an animal sitting on top of another animal, getting it to do like counter changes of hand at the half pass, or even just beautiful transitions. You know, how that's strange. You don't see, you know, frogs riding turtles, <laughs> getting them to do figures. It's really kind of bizarre. And it's really kind of amazing. Now, I know over time, we've bred horses to, to have characteristics of tolerance, right? We've domesticated them and we've bred them to have this characteristic of, okay, I'll put up with that, you know, and they, they allow us on them. Um, but I think we, we, 
I think we would all be served to maybe step back and think teaching a horse to do upper level dressage is about as weird as teaching an alien how to do calculus. And if we keep in our mind that teaching dressage or even riding horses at all is about as odd as teaching an alien how to do calculus, then we can start to see that so many of the problems that we see in the horse world today stem from riders demanding performance instead of appreciating effort. You know, as a trainer, the first time that you train a horse, it's kind you know, then maybe you do get excited. Oh my gosh, that's the first time I taught my horse, you know, four tempies. Or the first time you taught a horse yourself how to do a half pass and they mastered half pass. That's pretty cool. I remember having a diary and I remember writing in my diary and drawing out what a leg yield was. And in the diary, I said, I didn't even know horses could go sideways. Right? And that's how exciting it was. I was like, oh my God, horses go sideways. This is crazy. I wrote it down. It was noteworthy. But then, you know, after you've trained a bunch of horses to Grand Prix, it's really easy to go, well, of course, horses go sideways. They should go sideways. But for that individual horse, for that horse that you're teaching something like that for the first time, that's the first time for that horse. Might be the 20 millionth time for me. But I have to remember, that's the first time that that horse had somebody ask them to go sideways. They're like, check me out. <laughs> My legs cross. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's weird to think that. I think it's weird to not remember that perspective. And when we don't remember that, it leads to situations. And maybe you guys have seen this, you know, professional trainers saying things in anger, like that horse just needs to listen. He can't get away with that. Or why is that horse doing this to me? As if the horse was, as if horse training was supposed to be easy and it was just supposed to work. So remember that original core assumption, horses are supposed to perform for us versus, oh my God, this is so freaking cool. I'm sitting on a horse. <laughs> I've also observed trainers with animals other than horses. So for example, dolphins or sea lions or other exotic animals, and they don't use the same techniques we use in horses. I mean, can you imagine putting a harness on a sea lion and then poking it or tapping it with a stick to get it to do stuff? Uh, Jennifer Zelligs, who is the author of Animal Training 101, um, I had a chance to observe her with her sea lion she works with now. And she has a great saying, which is, would you do that if it was a bear? <laughs> so think of the things that we do with our horses. Draw reins, side reins, bigger spurs, bigger bits, force and leverage. And ask yourself, would you do that if it was a bear? <laughs> So in the exotic animal training world, there does not seem to be the same assumption of obligingness that there is in the horse world. And I think because of the generous nature of horses, horses are really all about forgiveness, 
and because they're domesticated and we've bred them to tolerate us humans, um, it does seem easier for the average person to have some degree of success than it would be for the average person to use those similar techniques with a sea lion or a tiger. So I guess that's the beauty of horses, but it's also what makes them really vulnerable to abuse. It's easy to take the compliance for granted because it seems we humans have this assumption that horses should oblige to us. They are our beasts of burden. This is what we need to look at. So how do we turn this around? It's really about um, nurturing and feeling appreciation. I want to tell a little story. Uh, years ago, I happened to know a guy who was a self-made multi, multi, multi millionaire. And I was visiting his house. And um, at one point he said, oh, I just want to um, turn the game on. And, you know, there's a basketball game or something. He's like, I just want to, you know, watch the game for a second and just see what's going on. So we were sitting there in this room and I'm thinking, I don't see a TV, <laughs> you know? And so now remember, this is, uh, this is before I even had a cell phone. This was, uh, late nineties. And, uh, and then he hit a button and this big screen came down. It was like the whole length of his wall. And then a projector came down and, you know, okay. That wasn't something I was used to having. It doesn't sound very newfangled now, but it was, it was pretty cool. So, um, you know, I'm sitting there, this like, felt like I was front, front seat at the uh, basketball game. And I said to him, I was like, do you ever just like look around and think to yourself, this is so freaking cool. Cause he was living in a really nice house on a really nice property and he had really nice cars. And he looked at me and he's like, well, with more money comes more headaches. And I don't know, maybe he was trying to be humble. But I thought, wow, you know, what a shame. You know, people work hard and hard and hard to make, you know, make some money to be prosperous or whatever that means to you. You get, you, you know, you achieve something and you get something. And now he's like, eh, just more headaches. So I thought at that moment, universe, if you're listening, I would be a really, really happy and appreciative millionaire. That's still true. <laughs> just in case the universe is listening here. Um, so what would it be like to be truly appreciative of the gift that our horses are giving us by allowing us to ride them? Think about, you know, think about that. It's, it's not a given. Why do we assume it's a given? Yeah, we get on horses. Everybody rides horses. We've been riding horses for years, but for that individual horse, that individual horse, this is new to him. This is a new experience. So <laughs> the other side of that coin is to, to keep things in perspective of is um, maybe you've experienced this or maybe you've seen someone else experiencing this, but being on a horse who just says, no, <laughs> not going to do it. You know, I've seen this with little ponies. They just go, no, I don't care who you are, not moving. I've experienced it with horses. You know, everything's going along fine. And then for whatever reason, they stop in their tracks. That's the hardest horse to train. One that just goes, no, not playing. And in that moment, 
it you know it can be impossible to move a horse i mean unless you're gonna like pick them up and move them if a horse really decided not to cooperate they don't have to cooperate so it's i think that's good to experience because it reminds me that in the end you know it's just their decision all that horse to do or horse has to do is decide no not playing and everything stops in its tracks so let that information that doesn't some people see that and they're like, well, that's a bad horse. No, that horse is being a horse. He's telling you what he feels. And it reminds me that it's really a game and a gift. It's all about me trying to train in a way that I cause my horse to want to cooperate. We can't have the illusion that, that this is all because of us. No, the horse is choosing somehow to cooperate with us. Uh, and it's not something to take for granted. You know, most of us are really lucky that our horses are very forgiving of our inadequacies and they do oblige. But what if every day we hold it in the front of our minds of like, this is a pretty freaking cool thing that this is happening, that they Right, let us ride them at all, and then we get to do fancy things like counter changes of hand at the half pass, or leg yields, or walk canter canter walk transitions, or fifteen one tippies on a straight line. And I can say that I can say that, you know, that in the middle of a ride, at any moment, I want to be like, oh my god, this is so freaking cool, we did this, and that doesn't mean that I'm lowering my standards or that I'm going to give myself a blue ribbon every time I trot down the long side although with some horses, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, we can still progress. We can still go, that was so freaking cool. And now we're going to progress it. So you, you don't have to get all serious to get serious results. You can still marvel at it. And I, to me, I think the more we marvel at it, the more we're excited, the more we're breathing, that in those moments, our horses are like, yeah, feels cool. Because when we start making and forcing and getting in that straight line thinking that we humans do all our horses feel is this like crazy predator on our back and they're just trying to go okay what do i have to do to make this not so bad and i think it can be better than that right we don't want them just to oblige we have to understand that a horse's willingness to oblige doesn't automatically give us the right to demand so what do we do? You know, I know you action people. You're like, okay, enough of this mindset stuff. What do I do? How do we make it work differently? Another Tony Robbins quote for you. We turn our expectations into appreciations. When we practice appreciating our horses fully in the daily easy moments, we're going to be better for them in the challenging moments. You know, it's always easy to be happy when your horse is going well. The real truth comes out. The real measure of a system is what do you do when it's not working? You know, those are the moments we have to look at the big picture and remember that it is a gift that they let us do this with them at all. We have to remember that all the horses are perfect until we come along and ask them to do something that they can't yet do or that they don't want to do yet. So those challenging moments are when we really need appreciation and then curiosity. 
whatever the problem is, we are responsible for figuring it out. Just because horses have been beasts of burden for centuries doesn't mean that this individual horse in front of us right now needs to perform. He doesn't know about the history. He doesn't need to perform just because we said so. That's not a should. If you think he should, then you're shooting all over your horse and don't shoot all over your horse. <laughs> so if you're not experiencing the joy or even the cooperation that you'd like while doing dressage with your horse or anything with your horse, if you find yourself thinking, ah, more training just does more headaches, you need to step back and remember you're teaching calculus to an alien who probably doesn't even want to learn calculus. Dressage is an art. It's a gift. Our horses owe us nothing. Don't assume your horse needs to do anything for you. Thank your horse. Here's an action you can take to make sure that you're able to be there when the system, when the, when things fall apart, <laughs> when things are not going well, the way to have a system that can still appreciate and still be curious is to form the habit. Form the habit in the daily easy moments. So here's something you can do. Replace a few good boys with thank yous. So the next time your horse does something nice for you, instead of giving a big old slap on the neck and saying good boy or good girl, how about a rub and say thank you so much. Thank you. I think you're going to be able to feel the difference. I know your horse is going to feel the difference. This is not just silly words. Words matter. It's going to feel completely different. I promise you. Good boy. Thank you. So yeah, marvel at the training, training experience. The day that I stop enjoying the training and the day I stop marveling that this is possible at all is the day I should stop training horses. So next time you're out with your horse and you're riding along, remember to stop or you don't even stop just while you're doing it. Look around, talk to the birds and just go, this is so freaking cool. If you want some more help along these lines, uh, for those members of my video classroom, there's a couple videos in there that might really help. Um, I'll leave links to it uh, on the show notes for, my, for this podcast. So if you're listening anywhere other than my website, uh, you can go to dressagenaturally.net slash podcast, find this episode, um, and I'll leave links to a couple videos in my video classroom one is um, called releasing your emotions. So it will really help you in those moments of frustration, kind of cut through the frustration part. And then there's another video in there um, where I'm interviewing a, a hypnotherapist and she gives a presentation on how to understand your subconscious mind. So I think those would be really nice videos um, to follow up um, this, this podcast. So enjoy, love your horse, appreciate your horse and let me know how it goes. All right. Thanks. If this episode resonates with you, 
make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process. Mm -hmm.